Thank you all for coming out this evening to uh, join our wonderful Board of Trustee candidates. Uh, please allow me to introduce myself and make a few brief comments before we begin. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Aaron Silva, and I will be your moderator uh, this evening. Uh, you don't have a choice since I put this whole thing together with my wife. And my wife, Ivana, is here in the audience with us. Thank you for being here, dear. Like all of you, I am only a husband and a parent. And I also happen to be the host of this Ains Parents Unite uh, podcast. Proudly, we have received, if you can believe it, more than 10,000 downloads. It's pretty impressive, right? I'm, I'm not actually sure if that's good or bad. Um, but I was told by my producers that uh, we were the number one downloaded podcast in Westlake until just a few weeks ago. Does anyone know what happened a few weeks ago? Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan. He's edged us out just a little bit. Uh, but then the producers went on to tell me that uh, they did a little bit more analysis on the downloads, and it turns out my wife was doing most of the downloads. So <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it's nearly as popular as I thought it was. Um, I really do appreciate all the wonderful feedback that I've gotten from the community. It's the first time I've ever done something like this. I've gotten uh, majorly positive feedback. I definitely have gotten some criticism, but all of it has been very encouraging to me. And if you haven't lived, listened to the podcast, we've done, I think, 13 episodes today. Jay, we released your podcast uh, this morning. So I encourage you to take a listen to it. Um, you know, in the audience, uh, uh, Beth South is here. She was on the podcast. Uh, Rex Hoover is here. Darshana Kalikstein is here. Of course, all, of course, all these gentlemen have been on it. Um, Dr. Arnett was on the podcast. Uh, Jackie, is Jackie here? Jackie, yep, there she is. Jackie was on the podcast. So half the audience are people that actually appeared on the podcast, which is great. There's a reason we did all this. So to continue on, as I set this uh, evening up, I wanted to share that, you know, like, like any of you, I'm, uh, I'm an American, and my views on some of the matters in the community are really not a closely guarded secret. I've never intended to pretend like I don't have an opinion, and I... I'm not going to apologize for having an opinion, of course, and you'll hear it on the podcast if you listen to it, and I don't think any of you should either. However, I hope that the community has listened to the podcast as we've invited a range, a wide range of guests, I just named many of them here, treated them all with respect, and genuinely listened and showed curiosity in their specific views, even though their views can many times be different than my own views. Each guest, uh, for those of you that no, don't know, each guest that comes on the podcast is given full editorial control. So anything that they say that they want to re-record, re they certainly can, or they could delete, or they could record the whole thing and not want to do it and be deleted. So everyone that's appeared has wanted to be there, and I'm very appreciative of the fact that they were there. I think we can all agree that we need much more of this two-way dialogue in the community, and that was the purpose of why I started the podcast in the beginning. And I want to take a, a, a minute here to thank the support of our sponsor, Ains Kids First. Um, Jenny Stevens, um, to 
uh, summarize the story. When I had the idea of the podcast in November, being frustrated with the fact that there was very little dialogue between parents and the district, I had a list of a handful of names of people that um, were, you know, prominent in the community, and I, Jenny was the first one I went to, and I pitched her the idea, and the first thing she said is, I will do it, I will financially back it, as long as everyone can be on the podcast. I don't want this to be a one-sided exercise. And I told her, Jenny, I was about ready to tell you that if you financially backed it, you could have no editorial control over the podcast. And she has had no editorial control over the podcast. Uh, Jenny, are you here? I just want to make sure. Did I say all that right? I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's another joke. That's like three jokes now I've put in there. Um, I, I did whatever I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do it. I had any guests that I wanted. Um, I had full latitude and support and full range of just about anything I ever thought of doing, just like at home. Um, right, Ivana? Now, that joke worked. But thank you again, Jen. And, and really, um, what everyone should be committed to and I'm committed to is better communication between parents in this wonderful school district. We need to hear each other, unfiltered, unedited, and without judgment or prejudice. After all, we have something great in common that cannot be denied, and that is all that we are mommies and daddies that want the best for our kids and their wonderful teachers that we're entrusting with their precious education. And that brings us to this evening. I want to thank everyone again for coming, and, and, and a very special thanks to these fine gentlemen for being here uh, tonight. And, uh, facing these questions and talking with all of us. And so I want to remind all of you that we are now, and at least for the next couple hours, in the public forum. And for those of you that don't know, the public forum is very important. And legally defined, I looked this up, the public forum is a place that has a long-standing tradition of being used for the free exercise of the right to speech and public debate and assembly in our country. We all know there are tombs of literature written about the importance of the public square in our democracy penned by our founding fathers and typed out by our contemporaries. A tenet of a functional and healthy public square is honesty, respect, courtesy, and civil politeness. So for this evening, I'm not going to tell anyone how to act. I simply ask that we show our candidates and each other the deference we all deserve in this small public square here in Westlake, Texas. This evening, we have these three wonderful gen gentlemen vying for two of the contested EISD EANS uh, Board of Trustee places, number six and number seven. Uh, these places are currently being defended by two incumbent trustees well known to our community. Uh, defending place number seven is Ellen Balthazar, a trustee now for, I think, uh, 21 years, I believe. And she's being challenged by Mr. David Borutia. Did I roll the tongue properly? Very well, thank and, you. Uh, and Mr. Jay Lamy uh, right here. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Unfortunately, I was notified just yesterday by Ellen that she's contracted COVID. And because of this meeting is being held during her quarantine period, she could not attend. She sends her sincere regrets, and all of us wish her a speedy recovery, of course. And here in a moment, a representative from Ellen's campaign, Mr. Newberg, will read a statement on her behalf. And I appreciate him being here. Uh, Jay and David, I am sorry she can't be here. I know you were looking forward to that. Uh, 
but that's just the way it goes, right? Defending place number six is Heather Sheffield, and I think she's been a trustee now for a couple years, since 2019. Uh, Ms. Sheffield was also invited to this forum about a month ago, like the rest of the candidates. I spoke candidates. I spoke to her personally some weeks ago, and she declined to attend because of a scheduled conflict with a Chamber of Commerce board meeting this, this afternoon um, that she had a few hours ago. Uh, what I did with all the candidates is I was trying to harmonize their schedules. I gave everyone the opportunity, if this time did not work, before we committed to the space and, and all that, that I would work out their times and... and any time, any date that they wanted, we could do this. I offered this to Ms. Sheffield, and unfortunately, she wasn't able to find another time. And I want to apologize to Jim for the fact that I tried everything I could to get your challenger here as well. Um, and I know you wish she could be here. While we are sorry Ellen and Heather cannot be here this evening, we're very happy to have these three challengers. And as they say, the show must go on. So can we all give a nice, encouraging round of applause to these fine gentlemen here today with us? All right. How'd that go? So far, so good. Are we still live, or do I need to do it again? It's not like the podcast where if I screw up, we can edit it out, put it back in there. I won't tell you which one of these three uh, candidates had the most edits. Anyone have a guess? No one cares. It's all right. Probably Jay. Yeah, probably Jay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk a little bit about um, uh, how this is going to go this evening. Uh, during the forum, I'm going to ask questions of uh, all the candidates that they should be able to respond to individually. Um, our goal here is to have an open and honest dialogue with everybody. And while we don't want a debate, uh, we do want a discussion because, after all, we do need more of that in the community. Because I'm the moderator, I might propose follow-up questions um, to questions I give or questions that come from the audience. None of the candidates have seen the actual questions in advance. Is that correct, gentlemen? However, I have told them in writing this morning what the topics would be. Uh, any member of the audience may ask a question simply by standing at the microphone right here before you, and I'll call on you at the moment it seems appropriate. Don't worry, if I don't like you, I won't let you stand there all evening. I will call on you. Please try to ask questions that can be answered by any of the candidates, and please identify yourself by first and last name for the public square. The order in which the candidates will respond to any question can be, can be determined by each candidate using the poker debate method. You guys know what the poker debate method is? I do as of 15 minutes ago. <laughs> as of 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Um, so what I'm going to do with the candidates right now is I'm going to have them have shuffled a brand new deck of cards. And I'm going to have them each pick, I'll let you see the aces on the bottom, so I'm going to cut that in, Jim, sorry, you don't know what that's at. So I'm going to have each of them pick. So as before the questions are asked, how much you get? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Oh, you got two more coming. So before the question is asked, I will. They will give us what they think is the best card. One, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, you got ten. Do you get two more, Mister? All right. 
So this way, uh, we'll kind of have a little bit of fun with it. They will, uh, not knowing what the question is, they'll pick the card they want to play, and based on high card, you can decide whether you go first, second, or last, and the next card picks, and we'll get in the rhythm. This will be easy after a little bit to do this. You, got, you guys can follow? Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> you can pull that a little bit closer. All right. Um, I will tell them in advance what the topics are. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about their experience, some of their uh, learnings that they've uh, had in this process of being candidates. We're going to ask them about um, revisiting some of the past with the district and as a parent, some of their opinions. We're going to talk about envision eans. We're going to talk about communication, parental rights, teacher retention, budget, ethics, diversity, equity, and inclusion, library books, and if we have time, we're going to get to world affairs, uh, sports trivia. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. You want to start at the bottom? <laughs> you guys want to start there? All right. Um, any questions, gentlemen, before we get going? All right. I'll ask the first question here. All right. But before we ask the question, what card do you want to play? All right. David, you go ahead. What card do you want to give us, buddy? Show us. Show yeah, show us. Yeah, show us. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know what? But they had, they've already picked the card they want to put. Yeah, you're right. What do you got? Six of spades. What'd you pick, Jim? Are we supposed to, we're supposed to look at them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ace. you're supposed to. Ace. ace. <laughs> and the ace of diamonds. Okay. Spades. Ace is high. It goes spades, hearts, clubs, diamonds. All right. So you're, what do you want to go? First, second, or third? I'll go first. Why and now, don't put the card back. Put, put the card on the floor. Put throw it on the floor. It's always an ace. Yeah, I was, I was ace. confused. I know what you're doing there. Come on, catch on. Jay, throw your card down. David, throw your card down. All right, so you're going to go last? I'll go first. Why you're going to go first? Sure. All right, and then David, and when, when do you want to go? I'll, I'll go second. You go second. All right, one, two, three. All right, here we go. We'll get in the rhythm. Can you share with us any experience or learnings you have had in your personal or professional careers that you believe will translate into being a successful and effective trustee? Oh, you know what? Wait a second. I'm sorry, Mr. Newberg. What card did you pick? That's the problem. You didn't pick a card. Come on up here. It would have been the ace of spades. All right. I'm sorry about that, Mr. Newberg. I apologize. Please, Mr. Newberg is going to make a statement on behalf of Ellen. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah. Let me get you. Yeah, so I'm Jeff Newberg. Uh, I'm a former EEF board president, and I'm currently the campaign treasurer for Ellen who's ill and isolating uh, due to COVID. She regrets not being able to join the forum tonight um, and asks that I share the following words that she, that she wrote. So I'm gonna read it in her, from her, her voice. Let me start by thanking Aaron Silva and Ian's Parents Unite for hosting this forum. I'm Ellen Baltazar and I'm running for re-election to my eighth term on the EISD Board of Trustees. I've spent the last two decades building this school district at, that has served your children well and kept your property values high. 
I'm not running for re-election because this job has been easy over the last couple of years. I'm running because it's been hard. Keeping schools open and kids learning has had its challenges during this pandemic. For me, it has reinforced how important exemplary public education is to our community and how my experience, stability, integrity, and confidence in our school and our staff contributes significantly to the continuation of excellence in the Eanes Independent School District. EISD has long been a great school district, but for several years now, Eanes ISD has been ranked as the absolute number one school district in the state of Texas, as well as one of the best nationally. This highest level of excellence did not happen by accident. It has taken committed teachers, parents, administrators, and board members focused on continuous improvement in systems and outcomes for children. My two children graduated from high school in 2001 and in 2003, so my roots in EISD are deep, but I have an equally long future vision with five grandchildren currently in the district. However, I take great pride that over half of my years of service have been when I had no children or grandchildren in the district. This has allowed me to exemplify my belief that all children are our children and champion student success for all. My priorities for the next several years include, number one, post-pandemic regrouping on both academic and social-emotional measures, two, doubling down on staff retention and recruitment, and three, continuing to strategically build revenues and reduce expenses to keep our budget balanced. My experience includes a career as, as a corporate marketing executive, as a nonprofit CEO, and in every volunteer capacity imaginable. But what really counts in this election is proven experience, stability, and integrity that I bring to the board and to our community. I would be honored by your support and would appreciate your vote. Ellen, thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks for coming, Jeff. All right. All right. You know what? I won't even put it back. I'm more of a free mic guy anyway. This is how I sing at home when I do karaoke. So, all right. Back to the question. Okay. <laughs> no karaoke. Uh, can you share with us any experience or learnings you have had in your personal or professional careers that you believe will translate into being a successful and effective trustee for our district? All right, Jim, go ahead. Yes, sir, thank you. Uh, and thank you for hosting us, and thank you for everyone for being here. I've met with a lot of you, and I'm just honored to be a part of this community, and uh, it's, it's an exciting time. So uh, I'm from Houston originally. I went to the University of Texas for undergrad and graduate school with a um, focus on finance. Uh, worked in real estate for six years after that, and then um, got into the automotive industry. Um, it was a wonderful experience. Ran that business for 12 years, managed a diverse workforce. Um, you know, really our mission with our business was to provide a way for our employees to grow personally um, and in their career. Um, and second to that, it was to provide, you know, great service. Um, I think the opportunity here for our district is just awesome. Um, I think my experience, well, I'm also a parent. Uh, I've got three kids, and, and uh, in two years, one will be in high school, one in middle school, and one in elementary. So we've got about another 10 years, and uh, we're committed and excited. Um, but with my automotive experience, it was, uh, it was fun. 
Um, and, you know, really leading an organization, the finance aspect of it, the marketing, the employee retention, and ultimately delivering a great product to the customer. So I think all those skills are applicable to uh, the district. Um, it's leading an organization, unifying people, gaining consensus, uh, problem resolution, and um, led. I like to lead with love. I mean, I, I love conflict resolution and bringing people together and, and solving problems. So, thank you. I want to work for you. That's pretty good. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> don't work for me. There's not much love at my company. But <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah. We'll bring it out of you. All right. We'll bring that up later. Uh, Jay, uh, what business experience are you going to bring that translates to you being an effective trustee? Right. Well, when I first started thinking about running for, uh, running for the board, um, a lot of people had, had uh, been just kind of chirping in my ear about the fact that they thought that I would be a good board of trustee. And so I, I, I had to think long and hard about it. Uh, but I, I started off by actually looking at the strengths and the weaknesses of the board and then looking at the, um, looking at the opportunities and threats that our district face. So I thought to myself, well, the board has got a lot of great um, strengths that they currently have, and but there are some strengths that I have that basically I think f that fill the gap on their weaknesses. And this is how when I was on the um, I was on the St. Gabriel's board, and as opposed to a public school board, a private school board actually will appoint people based upon based upon where they can fill the gaps. And so I saw an opportunity one as an entrepreneur. Um, so I sign the front of a check all the time. Um, two, as, as a manager of our company. So I was the managing partner for Aquila for the first 10 years when we started our company, and we were the number one best place to work in Austin, Texas. So, which is really kind of cool when you think about it. Um, that is the employees coming back to us and telling us as the partners and as the managing partner that you're doing a good job keeping us happy. Um, and I think that that's very important. Um, I, I would also say my, I have a finance background. I was a former, formerly, uh, when I got out of college, I went into investment banking and, um, and I realized that I ultimately wanted to, ultimately wanted to get into real estate, but my real estate finance and background in real estate, especially given the fact that we are about to face a number of challenges where we can utilize our existing facilities, some of which are um, being underutilized and some which are functionally obsolete. I thought there is a really good opportunity there. I've also run capital campaigns, and I do think that there is an opportunity for us as a district to actually go out and go get money from the people in the district who actually have the treasure and they have the, they have the passion to give, give dollars that are, are in addition to what we're currently getting from EEF. Um, and so that's, I, I think that all of those skill sets really put me in a position to, I thought, okay, I, I, can, I can help on a lot of these things. So, so you feel you're filling a gap yes. on the current board, entrepreneurship, finance yeah. background, big ideas. Did I miss one? Oh, well, I missed one. I ultimately, and it's on my signs, but I really think that 
I really think that I have the ability to help bring people together. And, and so I will sing, come together right now. <laughs> so I, so I, do, I do think I have the ability to do that. People have, people have, dis- have followed me in a lot of places, regardless of if I don't know I'm going in the right direction. <laughs> Who, uh, what, what artist uh, sang that song, recorded that song? So, so there were two. Yeah. Beatles, yeah. and also um, uh, uh, Aerosmith. Let's, let's keep it that way. <laughs> All right, uh, David. <laughs> David, your turn. What experiences do you have in your personal life and in your professional life that is going to make you the trustee that we want to vote for? Well, uh, first of all, uh, I also want to thank Aaron for his excellent work with the podcast. Uh, we did the podcast a, f- a few weeks ago, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, the gentleman, um, and uh, really enjoyed it. And the, this is very important work. Uh, knowledge is power, and um, our people in the community are in need of knowledge and need of more power. So I, I really uh, have very high respect for you, and, and uh, thank, thank you, everybody, for showing up, and especially online as well. Um, I hope Ellen is feeling better, and uh, send her my best wishes, please, for speedy recovery. Uh, my name is David Barutia. Uh, my Spanish name, full name, would be David Alberto Barutia Alegria. Uh, my Chinese name is Bai Ruo De. But tonight, you can call me Ross Perot. Ross Perot? Ross Perot. Um, before I decided to run for school board, I went around and spoke with each uh, school board member. Um, and in many ways, they thought I would be a a divisive divisive candidate. I would divide the vote, and more specifically divide the diversity vote. Um, You know, I didn't let that um, impede my ambition to run, but I, but then when I talked to more people, and because I have very progressive ideas, um, they said, well, you're gonna be dividing the anti-incumbent vote. And uh, again, I'm also, uh, very friendly with the school member, uh, the school board, and you know, I'm an advisor to the school board, and uh, I'm not looking to divide, uh, I'm looking to unite. Um, like I just mentioned, I've been on this advisory committee for more than three years um, called Envisionings. Um, I feel very lucky to be part of this group. It's a, a group of um, dedicated community members with expertise in all many different kinds of fields. Um, and assigned by the school board to take a close look at our district's opportunities, our district challenges. And we provided a report last year. Uh, we're gonna provide a report next month, uh, but I've been working with a group of people at the forefront of trying to figure out how to help our community or help our district. And I believe I've been do- doing it as a, a team player. And I've been doing it uh, you know, I've been doing whatever I can, even as the minute note taker. Um, so uh, I'm there for, for the group, and I'm there for, for the community. Um, in our Envision Eans report, I think... Oh, oh, hold on, David. Just to stay on topic. Yeah. What is it about from your professional career? Experience per- personal could, and professional. Yeah. Well, no. we will get into the Eans, um, okay. the Envision Eans in a little bit. Don't, uh, so don't, profession- don't keep your powder dry on that one. We're going to get into that one. 
I know, I know it's a big deal, and we're going to talk about that. Can give me something? Give us something else. Sure, and I, I don't mean to, to, you know, go into this too deeply because you know it is really future focused. Um, but from the report, I did have the motivation to become a substitute teacher. Uh, so since last spring, also. Um, working across the district at different kind of campuses. I've been at Ains Elementary, Bridgepoint, uh, Hill Country, Forest Trail, uh, general education, special education. I got my paraprofessional certificate over the summer with Region 13 to be able to work with our special ed uh, population. And um, I've been a teacher for more than 20 years, an educator, um, whether it's a teacher, administrator, counselor, uh, high school counselor, director of counseling, um, I've been an author, I've been a TV host for educational programming, I've helped uh, found an international school, I've helped found a children's science museum. So I've been in this education space for many years and that's kind of also why I was picked to join the Envisionings group. Um, so I have this very rich uh, experience in the education sector but also in the education business side, the private uh, sector as well, uh, working in companies, doing education, talking with customers, uh, trying to solve problems. And I think that experience also is very helpful because when you problem solve, you know, when you're working in the private sector, you don't have time, uh, you know, to keep on talking about a subject. You just got to get it done uh, or, or it's game over. And so you really have that kind of mentality, uh, work with companies in Silicon Valley doing, doing overseas projects you know, really have a deadline to work with. So I, I think I can bring that as well to the table. Um, I've also been very active civically, uh, not only um, as Envision Eanes, but also on our campus in Eanes Elementary as a parent, whether that's as a class, a homeroom parent, or as a uh, Mustang Dads Club member opening the doors in the morning, or as a Heritage Day volunteer, or we also did a socials fundraiser about Dia de los Muertos, uh, introducing more culture to the campus. Um, in addition to that, I do some civic work outside our school district for the city of Austin. I'm on the board of directors for Austin Sister Cities, and we help promote and foster relationships cross-culturally with over 13 cities across around the world, including Lima, Peru, my ancestral hometown. At the state level, I volunteer for a Texas education agency, uh, part of the Multilingual Advisory Council, um, providing advice to the state of Texas, TEA, about how to meet the needs of multilingual families across the state. And so uh, I bring all this kind of experience to the table, and I think that's really important. Uh, because not only in my Envisioning's experience, I know exactly what's going on and what are the solutions, I have this you know, point of reference about the educational landscape locally, state-wise, nationally, internationally, and I can put that into perspective. And so that's you know, my personal professional experience. Sorry for taking so much time. No, I get it. I will, um, uh, that's my a great answer. So really, you, uh, you feel your kind of inside experience and being in the industry for so long is really what, what puts you here and what's going to make you a valuable trustee. Well, that was the question. What is your personal professional okay, experience okay. and how, how that? But, but, you know, I have much more to that in terms of philosophy, yeah, in terms we'll, of ideas. So we'll, we can get that. We'll get to that. it. Yeah. You betcha. All right. Good answer, gentlemen. All right. Pick your next card. And while they're picking a card, anyone that wants to ask a question, simply stand up here to the microphone and I will call on you. Not everyone line up at one time. Oh, okay. We'll get there. You guys will get your comments. All right. Before uh, you guys got your card picked, David? 
Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Ready? On the count of three, show me your card. One, two, three. We have a nine of spades, a two of spades, and Jim, the high card again. Let's do it. I'll go. You're going to go first again? Why not? And David, you want to go first or last? I'm fine. As Jim, as Jim no, likes. but do you want, I'm mean, sorry, you want to go second or third? What do you want to do? Um, second. You want, good. All right. Good. And then you'll be the Switch bookend. No, I didn't mean that that Switch. way. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Looking back is important to figure out how we're going to go forward, kind of in the same way that uh, David a second ago said that some experience he had on the Envisionings Committee uh, spurred his interest in becoming a trustee. I think there's a lot of us uh, looking back over the last few years where there's some things that might have disappointed us about how the district has run and the leadership has um, put forth its uh, actions and policies. And maybe there's positive things for sure. I'm sure there has. But looking back over the last few years, just for a moment, were there any decisions that the board or administration made that you wish were handled differently? Jim? Yeah, I mean, the last few years were challenging. I mean, I owned and managed a business, and I was going through all the same stuff as the board, and I just sympathize the board and our leadership. I sympathize with them. I was with them on figuring out COVID and how to keep our employees and customers safe. And just, it, it, it was intense. Um, and so I empathize with the board. Um, as far as major decisions go, I think... Whatever any, you want. Any, Is there something you saw that you think could have been done differently? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, it was a challenging time, like I said, and... Um, you know, I guess I'm really more of a look forward kind of a person, but, uh, you know, we can always look back and improve on things. And I think one opportunity we have right now is communication, you know, and um, I think that brings confidence and just trust and transparency. And um, that's an area we can improve. And um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, some communication in the past has been frustrating for you as a parent. Yeah, yeah. and and I, but again, it was a challenging time, and uh, no, I, there's I, maybe no right answers. Right? I, it, it, it was tough trying to keep everybody happy, trying to get back in school. Do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? I mean, it was a lot. So, um, but uh, I think that's an area we can always improve upon. All right, um, David. Okay. What do you think? Uh, give us an example of something that happened in the past that you wish was handled a little bit differently. Okay, and if I did not finish my last question, you can go to my website, uh, www.davidforeens.com. I try to put as much information up there as, as, no as, as possible. No marketing of your properties <laughs> while you're on my podcast property. <laughs> Cut that out. Edit that out. We can't do it. It's live. Sorry right. about that. Go ahead, Dave. It's fine. Okay. Um, so, uh, like I said, I'm on Envisionings and uh, I'm an advisory group to the board of, board of Trustees. So, I'm at the service of the school board and I'm there to help them achieve the mission and uh, help the superintendent achieve the mission. Um, so, I'm very supportive. You know, at the same time, I, I'm all, I've also been a teacher of critical thinking. Um, not critical race theory, critical thinking, critical thinking. So critical thinking is when you look at an argument and you can dissect the argument and then you can see uh, you know, what are the flaws in, this ar in the argument, what are the common flaws. So uh, I developed a critical thinking mind. Uh, and so in the Envisioning's reports, uh, there are a couple things that I wished could be have, have done, uh, they have, could have implemented. Um, but aside from that, 
I also echo um, communication is very important. Um, and you know, before I dive in, uh, I'd like to back up because I know messaging can be sometimes confusing. Uh, my campaign has three main focuses. Community, democracy, and teachers. Community, democracy, and teachers. So I'm gonna interweave, when I answer questions, I may interweave that, but these are the, the main concepts that I'm advocating for. Um, so in terms of what could have been done differently, and for example, in the Envision Eans report, uh, one thing that we noticed that teachers needed a greater sense of voice. And uh, I recommended um, initially, but then we talked, uh, talked about it and we all felt it was a good idea, um, a, a kind of faculty council in a, a group uh, a body, uh, a formal body where the teachers can come together. We found in our, in our surveys that they were kind of missing this kind of voice and not being heard all the time. But at the same time, we found some great stuff. They were feeling that they were honored by their peers, celebrated, respected by their peers. And so there's this great energy there in how to make it into a, a body, for example, a faculty council. That's still an idea that we're gonna put forward in next month's report, but I think that's something we can move forward with. Okay, a faculty council from the Envision Eans report. Yep. Thank you. Jay, looking back, you have an example of something you wish was handled differently. And we're not going to dwell on the past after this question. Right, right. So, um, you know, I think there were some issues. So, number one, I would, I would start with um, some of the social media stuff, I think, gotten out of hand. And I think that I think he's flopping on me. Anyway, you can take it I'm going to do what you do. All right, so I think some of the social media stuff got out of hand, and I can understand to some degree um, how when you are asked to socially distance, um, that creates distance from each other socially. And, and if, if, in fact, it's true that 7% of all communication has to do with the words that come out of your mouth or that are on a piece of paper. But 93% of communication is, is about the nonverbal and, and inflection cues. There was a lot that is missed when you actually try to send out social media tweets and posts and things like that with regard to communication. And I think, I think that the board probably could have made a, uh, an effort to actually quell some of those issues. So that is, that is number one. Number two is, and it's really unfortunate, it's sad, but we had a national incident where a teacher and a parent, you know, basically rises up to the, rises up to a level of, of national scrutiny, and the reality is, is that what actually happened was not what the board, basically, there was a chance for Dr. Leonard to put a kibosh on that, to keep it from going to a national level, and he, and, and what was spread throughout the community was not right, and it was not true, and that was a very easy thing that could have happened, where he just says, hey, look, that's not right. And so I, 
you know, I, I, I think we talk about, we talk about bullying, we talk about, we, we talk about bullying and certain things, and, and I mean, that falls into, that falls into bullying, and I'm sad to see it because it then created a divide within our community, but I think that, you know, if we were to, you know, going forward, we need to figure out ways to put an end to some of the nastiness. And I don't have all the answers, but I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it stop. I, I wasn't too sure about why allowing that um, incident or that rumor rise to national prowess, how that benefited us. I, as a parent, thought that we should have been defending us, not promoting it. I, I agree, that was a tough one. That was a tough one to stomach. Uh, thank you all for those, um, those answers. All right, let's see. Let's move on to something. Actually, I have another question here posed by one of our, uh, our um, audience members, and she asked me to read this on her behalf. Uh, this is uh, proposed by Darshana Kalikstein. Thank you, Darshana, for giving us this question. I'm going to do my best to say it the right way, and if I don't, you correct me, right? Okay. A criticism of the current... Oh, wait a second. What card? Pick a card. Let's see him. Now, now they're going to go rethink. Now they know it's coming from Darshana. They're going to... Okay, you got a... All right, what do you got there, Jay? A king, a three, and a queen. All right. You're the king. You're the queen. So one, two, three. This is to you, Jay, first. All right. A criticism of the current board is that they often vote in consensus... If you share this concern, which specific motions passed within the past two years would you have voted against? Uh, this is the discussion about there, it's always 707070. I've heard this too, and it's come up on our podcast. So, Jay, can you think of something you would have voted against that was a 70 action of the board? Um, I, do, I, I think giving. Um, I think giving. Um, Dr. Leonard, um, uh, power, emergency powers, is, I, I would not have voted for that. So I think that the, I think the board one needs to keep it in the hands of the board. So, um, and that may have been, as I say that, that may have been a 6-1 vote, uh, um, but I would say that that is a, that is, that is a vote that I would, would say that the, if you want to take leadership as a board, you actually need to not recuse yourself of any of the ability to actually guide and lead the community. Thank you. Good question. Good answer. Good answer. And uh, you're the queen on this one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you picked the queen. That's correct. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean that. It came out the wrong way. All good. Okay, all good. We're good. Oh, Nothing wrong it. with that. I was going to choose third, but I was <laughs> yeah, like, okay. hey, right. you know, it's okay. All right, Jim, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think in any organization, you know, there you may have consensus, 7-0. You may not. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, you know, whether it's school board, Coca-Cola, Exxon, church, any type of organization, uh, I think there would typically be some disagreement. My understanding is that uh, the state of Texas school board training does encourage consensus from the board. Hey, go figure it out when it comes to vote. You know, everybody get behind it. Show maybe a, a 
7-0 vote to show consensus and unity. Uh, if you look back the past few years, I think it you know, might have backfired a little bit in our community. And, and, but maybe the, our board was unified on everything. And, and if so, that's great. But, um, um, you know, I, I, I think that you should vote how you really feel. And, and whether you're for or against an issue, after the vote's made, you jump in, you, 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 you got to buy into it and move forward and do what's best for the community, um, whatever the majority vote is. Okay. All right, David, uh, which vote, uh, consensus vote, did you not like? Yes, well... Uh, or that you would have voted differently? Yeah. Uh, the consensus votes, we're talking about here, it's 7-0. Um, there's the argument that um, this is a, a team of eight, a group of, of the school board and the superintendent that need to be on the same page um, in order to move forward uh, to give clear messaging to the superintendent. Um, and that's important in order to have uh, high-functioning school boards. Um, but I refute that claim because, as you know, when you, you've been going to the school board meetings recently, that doesn't seem very high functioning. And there needs to be more community engagement. Um, and so uh, I, think, I don't think that, that argument holds up uh, in terms of why it's 7-0. Um, there, there needs to be more diversity of thought, uh, less group, group thought. And I'm the guy in the committee that's always bringing up some of the um, uncomfortable, inconvenient uh, topics. So I, I'd be happy to do that with the school board. In terms of which policy decisions, I'm not quite sure. I, uh, you know, DEI, I'm in full support of. You know, I myself am a product of uh, diversity. Uh, my father came, immigrated to the United States from Peru, uh, part of the Las Powell Fulbright Scholarship, and I came and I grew up in Texas. So growing up, I even uh, in my boarding school as part of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. So as a student, and I appreciate diversity, so I'm in support of... In, you know, more awareness, um, building more awareness. Um, but I think the way it was handled, uh, I don't necessarily agree with. And uh, the lack of the community engagement um, and moving forward, that's, you know, probably I would, I would stick up and say, I would stand up and say, I, I, I don't agree. I, I agree with the topic of yeah. diversity, but not this way. We, we will get into the, that topic. So there's not a specific uh, vote you can that comes to mind, and that's fine. Um, but you generally agree there should be uh, the optics of 7-0 all the time doesn't look right. And there should be uh, demonstrable, if, if some it, more, more it, distension or something going on at the board level. There's a reason why it, th that was given, why it should, there should be 7-0. And I'm just saying that reason is not valid yeah. uh, because it's not, uh, okay. not high functioning. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Can, can I throw one more thing out there? Just Please. With, since it's a, it's a little conversational. Sure. So I, I would actually say that, um, so I, having been on the uh, school board formerly at St. Gabriel's, I would agree. Um, I, there, there are, when you're, at a, when you're in a private school like that, I think you don't have to go share what the, what the votes are, but I think people can disagree and actually come out and say, no, they do, do not do not agree with it. Yeah. I would also, uh, however, I would I would say in, in a public in a public forum, I would be for the idea that there is 
there, there, it, it is okay to have a dissenting vote. It's okay to have a dissenting vote and still respect and love all the, guy, all the, all the folks that are on the board. We can, we can sometimes agree to disagree. Yeah. Agreed. I'm with you 100%. Um, Jim, anything to add? No? I think we're good. Okay. All right. All right. I, I made a mistake. All right. Let's pick a card. Let's see who's, any questions from the audience. No? If we turn the camera off, would you come up? No? All right. Who's, what, what, uh, pick a card there, uh, Mr. J. And uh, we'll put them up. All right. What do you got? We have a 10, a five of hearts, and what do you got, Jim? All right, so you want to go first, second, or third, Jim? I'll go first. Why you not? go first. And then, uh, David, you want to go second or third? Uh, or first or second? Oh, you want to go first. You want to go second or third. What do you want to do? I'm using all my high cards right now, you, by the way. Yeah. So well, don't, <laughs> I'll do probably second. be last going forward. Okay. I can so do second. Fine. All right, you do second. All right. All right, but um, let's talk about parental rights. All right, parental rights. A lot of discussion about parental rights. What rights do you believe parents have in the formation of the curriculum developed here at EANS ISD? Do parents have rights in the formation of the curriculum? <clears throat> yes. Okay, Thank good. you. Under well, is relative. <laughs> um, so you believe they have. Relative to what is taught. No, I'm sorry. I was saying yes, I heard. Yeah, you heard. Okay, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, look, I mean, the curriculum, uh, I think parents absolutely have the right to see and hear what's being taught in the classroom. They should know. It's their child, of course. Um, all the parameters are outlined by the Texas Education Association. Um, and every parent has a right to make sure the school is following those parameters. Um, and as far as developing... Um, the curriculum, I mean, one, it needs to follow what the TEKS say, the Texas Education Agency, but sure, I mean, parents should speak up if they feel one way or the other. Um, I think that's where forums come in handy, surveys. Um, let's give everybody a voice, absolutely. And then come to consensus and something that we can all agree on as a community. David, yes, your second. Uh, well, yes, uh, uh, EANS ISD itself was established, you know, among residents uh, to you know, meet the needs of, of the children. And so we can also redefine ourselves as well. And there's a topic that we talk about often in Visionings is we don't have to be limited to be a K-12 institution. We can be K-16. We can add on some kind of post-secondary institution. It doesn't have to be fully public. It can be public-private. So, um, yeah, I think that's... The parents are, are part of this process. You know, at the same time, we need to be sensitive. Teachers need their space, and we don't need to be micromanaging as well. So there needs to be you know, different levels of involvement, and that's, you know, that's part of how schools operate. Maybe I'll, I'll add a little bit to the question, and uh, David, you can give an answer, and then Jay, you can um, finish, and then Jim can come back to you. Uh, relative to parental rights, um, there's been a lot of discourse um, amongst some parents where they believe that the uh, school may be overstepping its purview in what it's put in front, of, in front of the children directly or indirectly. And some might argue that it's not the school stepping over its boundary, it's the parents abdicating that job and the school is simply picking up where they're, 
um, not parenting. Do you have an opinion on that at all? Yeah, I have a couple different opinions about that. So this is a polarizing issue for our community, and our community doesn't deserve to be polarized like this. Um, you know, we can have different ideas without vilifying each other and ridic ridiculing each other. So that you know, definitely welcome uh, different ideas to the table. Um, you know, at the same time, I think we can figure out what exactly are those that purview? What exactly are those lines? And I think this goes back to my, my comment about democracy. Um, like I said, I've been overseas working as a, uh, as a teacher, and when I'm overseas, I've been always promoting democratic ideals. Um, and so coming here and being a parent and advisor here in Eans ISD, I think we can also uh, need to promote this kind of openness and transparency uh, for parents to see you know, what are, what is the, the rights? What, what are the lines? We need to be even informed about this in order to have a real conversation. Otherwise, it can become very emotional and then it can divide us. Do you think you know where the lines are? Uh, I mean, I you're, you're a parent and a teacher. I do not think I'm sufficiently informed. Okay. Yeah. Jay, parental rights and who's, are parents getting lazy and not doing what they should be doing? Or are the, is the school grabbing something they shouldn't be doing, or maybe none of the above? So, so as, I, I, as I hear the question, I think about, uh, I, I always love talking about Herb Kelleher with Southwest Airlines. CEO, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 he laughed like elf. Um, he was so funny to listen to. Um, but, um, you know, he, I'll start off by saying he, he basically, would tell people there, as an executive, there are three constituents that you, that you actually have to um, consider um, reporting to, almost, as an executive. And he said, there are employees, there are shareholders, and there are, and there are um, uh, customers. And, and he said, he asked a lot of people, and they, a lot of people came back and said the customer is number one. And he said, well, as an executive, the, the one that I need to actually report back to first is actually the employee. So in this dynamic of where we are, if you actually have board versus board as the executive branch, and they are looking at, they are, they are the ones that employ the teachers. However, in Eanes Elementary, in, in, in Eanes, we have... We have parents who are, I don't know if they've necessarily abdicated their duty. I think, at, I think the biggest problem in a lot of other schools, and that's the reason why the state has, has, their, the state has certain guidelines um, to follow, is that parents at a lot of the other schools have, have abdicated their duty or they're not there and present, and that's where where the state feels like it needs to step in. Eanes is like a, it's almost like a public-private school. That is, what, that is what the parents are requesting out of the district, is they want the, the parents ultimately, and, and then in this model, you and I have talked about this before, but I believe the parents are the customer. The parents are the customer. They are the ones that can provide additional 
you know, you have at the very basics, you have the curriculum that comes from the state. But then after that, the parents collectively need to provide, uh, they can provide a, a additional curriculum for, for, for EANS. And I think that to the extent that, and the beneficiary is the kids. They're like the shareholder. The kid, the kid is the one that is going to act at the end of the day because they don't know what is right for them or what's, what's right and what's not right for them. The kid, the kid is going to, over time, they are going to, I mean, their, their brains don't fully develop until they're, I mean, us men, we, I don't know if our brains ever really develop. But speak, I know, speak for yourself. <laughs> but I know, like, ladies, their brains develop theoretically at 23. So that's long after they're gone. That's long after they're gone. So I think that, I think that it, in Eans, I feel there is, it, it is important for us to listen to the parents and then for us to set guidelines for the teachers so that they know, they, they want to know, they want to know what box they, they can want, stay in. They want in. structure. They want structure. Sure they I mean, I am about as ADD a person as there is, but I still want structure. Gotcha. I want to know where the lines are. Your wife spends a lot of time giving you lines, <laughs> yeah. putting boxes for you? Yes, she does. <laughs> uh, Jim, what do you She's think? First Can grade I... school teacher. <laughs> oh, my. Coming back to... Is, uh, is, this, is the uh, school staying in its lane? Are the parents giving it up? Yeah, I mean, I... Do you have any sense? I, you know, when we talk about this, I think about the teachers. I mean, it, it, and we'll get to that, but um, I think we need to assume the best in them. Um, you know, the world has changed, and it's very dynamic, and uh, we just need to be careful how much we're asking them to handle. I mean, last year, education had the largest spike in attrition out of any industry in the United States. So um, I think the more we put on them, uh, just, we got to keep our teachers. Um, and uh, so I think focusing on the basics um, is important. And um, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, that's a good segue because I want to talk about teacher retention. Huge issue. Huge issue now. It's a huge issue we can see doing nothing but getting bigger in front of us. You, um, uh, I'm not sure uh, there's been a lot, of, um, a lot of original or creative thinking, at least pre-pandemic or during the pandemic or since the pandemic, about how to solve this issue. At least I'm not aware of it as a parent. Um, so let's talk about it. The issue is that we have an attrition rate of about 10% right now, which is a little lower than the Texas average and about half of what it is nationally at about 20%, which is horrible to have a 20% attrition rate. We know that um, our teachers could be leaving for any number of reasons, but we are certainly aware that districts around us are competing with us for sure. And in the EANS and Vision report, uh, one of the outcomes of that was that Teachers uh, don't feel that they're appreciated. They're worried about uh, retribution for speaking up. And I think the term was psychosocial concerns, right? This was in the report. Um, that type of thing can contribute to a retention problem, a nutrition issue. So do you believe, uh, so this is a, a tough question and a little bit of a soft question. Do you believe that we're providing them the proper love attention and respect that they deserve, kind of what you were saying a minute ago, Jim. And 
since we know this is a trend going in the wrong direction, if we are elected as a trustee, what kind of ideas are you going to bring to the table to stop this and so we can keep our wonderful teachers and keep them doing the things that have made this school so great for so many years? I will pick who I want to go first, and it will be you, Jim, since you're looking at me more okay. intently than anyone else. Right. Do I need to show my card? No, no, put it down. Put it down? <laughs> okay, I don't have a ten of clubs. Uh, yeah, no, I in the automotive industry, I mean, it. you know, very high attrition industry, you know, hey, competitive shop says we'll offer you 50 cents more an hour, you know, typically that employee's gone, and... Um, you know, just a lot of attrition. And so when I first started in that industry, I had to learn the hard way. Um, and uh, just we had a lot of attrition our first year or two, and I thought, man, what what are we going to do to solve this? So I just said, started recognizing a lot of um, our employees. They came up from pretty rough backgrounds, um, had one that, you know, his mom left him at the bus station when he was 12 years old and gave him $20 and said, you know, good luck in life. And so I just, you know, that started working at my heart. And I thought, man, we've got an opportunity to do something different here than I think most of our competition is doing. So we started focusing on culture, just offering a place of love and stability and um, just, you know, leadership they could count on just being there for them. Um, I think we've got that community here in Westlake, and we just need to make sure our teachers know that. I mean, we do love them. We care about them. But let's be more intentional about it. Um, it's been a rough few years for them. So, um, you know, compensation. I know I've heard a lot of discussion on, on, you know, we need to pay our teachers more. And we have a very fiscally lean budget. So we don't have a lot of dollars to play with. Um, I do know our starting base salary for teachers, you know, when we talk about, you know, recruiting is, is low on the low side um, around Central Texas. So we need to boost that and our, you know, existing teachers. Um, so work on compensation. Um, I think we need to get creative, open up our Westlake family to our teachers. Um, you know, one thing we offered our, our long-term employees, hey, every five-year anniversary, week's paid vacation for you for two. Uh, go to the beach, you know, travel, uh, lodging, food, all paid for. And, and, you know, when they heard that, that, you know, talking to the employee that was left at the bus stop when he was 12 years old, floored, right? So let's go above and beyond our PTO Parents do an amazing job. Um, I think we need to build upon what they do. Um, but, yeah, five-year anniversary, big deal. We need to make a big deal out of that. Um, transportation. Austin traffic. I mean, a lot of our teachers live in Round Rock, surrounding suburbs. Let's help them with their cars. Broken down car. That's a stressful situation for any person. Got to get to work. Got to, you know, take care of the family. You know, let's let's work together. Hey, if you're teaching, I'm going to, you know, while you're in class, I'm going to go grab your car. I'm going to go get it fixed for you and make sure it's ready to go by the end of the day and deliver it to you in the school, back in the school parking lot. Um, so I just think we need to get creative. Um, another idea I have is um, we've got 5,500 amazing families in our district. 
Um, and uh, hey, your husband, wife, spouse, partner, child, somebody needs a job in your family, we've got 5,500 doors we can potentially open for you um, with you know business leaders and owners in our community. So let's open up our doors, bring our teachers into our family, um, you know, pay them the best we can, create the best culture we can. Thank you. Uh, Jay, keeping our teachers. Um, and if you can, uh, give us a specific on how we're, you got to pay for these ideas. What do you got? Right. So um, in talking with teachers, um, first of all, I think we need to understand what it is that teachers want, and we have to listen to what the teachers want. So that is, I think, one of the most important things. We can come up with all sorts of solutions up here. Um, and the board can come up with all sorts of solutions, but if it's not what the teachers want, then we've missed. And so I think we have to listen. So that's number one. I've talked to a few teachers uh, that are younger, as well as some teachers who have been in the, in the profession for 28 years. And I've gotten, uh, they have, they put, one of them pulled the commercial real estate thing on me when I said, what is the most important thing for you? The top three things. And she said, uh, I thought it sounded like location, 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 but she said, pay, 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 pay. That, those are the three, three top most important things. Then she followed up and said, flexibility. Or the, and then I've talked to a few others, and after um, getting the information, flexibility, as well as feeling of appreciation. Now, we know that we've had a few, few teachers that have left because they do not feel appreciated. One teacher specifically told me that Dr. Leonard went into the teachers before the pandemic and told them they are replaceable. I don't know, even if he really thinks that, and I, this is what I'm hearing from the teacher, or it may not have been exactly what was said, but this is how she felt. And if that's how she feels, that she's replaceable, that is completely unacceptable at any level. Um, if I told my employees that they were, re they were replaceable, they would walk out the door the following day. So one of the things I think that we can do for teachers, specific example, is... There we go. Okay, thank you. Okay, hello? Okay. You, you, he was just on a roll there. You just was, stopped uh, his mojo. Yeah, I was on a roll. I forgot what All I right, was going to say. Let's go back. It was getting, it was getting yeah, good. Yeah. So, uh, so here is an idea that we can actually for, and this would potentially work really well for especially the younger teachers. But we have the, we have the, we have the land and we have, and, and as our facilities are currently there, there, there are some very old facilities, and we can actually master plan a better, a, a possible solution where we bring teachers, actually, from a transportation standpoint, we bring them into the district where they actually have a place to live. You can structure a deal, and it doesn't have to be bond financing that, that basically goes back to the taxpayers, but you can structure a deal high level you save $4 a foot 
on property taxes, which is on a thousand square foot apartment, that's $4,000, which is about $5,000 of pre-tax income, and you can offer that. And some people may say, well, it's a public school and we can't necessarily, you know, we can't necessarily do that because we gotta, we gotta work around this idea and this idea and this idea. I've already talked to a number of, of, of developers who have already done this as well as I am currently doing this on behalf of Concordia Lutheran College, uh, they are asking me how can we actually utilize some of our land to ultimately help teachers who actually don't have to pay as much for their apartments. Well, there, there, there are scenarios out there, and you know that's where I think that if you can talk about it, but... I know all the pitfalls that go into doing this sort of stuff. So that's where I think I can actually bring a lot to bear. Um, rather than just talk about the idea, you have to know what the risks and all the rewards are as you go through the process and actually execute on it. That's a good one. So effectively, leverage the assets we already have, the land assets we already have, yep. to create an affordable housing situation that effectively can underwrite the property tax burdens that a, a, a young teacher would otherwise have, which is the same as giving them $4,000 in additional compensation. I mean, it's a tangible benefit. That's what you're saying. That's exactly right. And not, notwithstanding that, but the teachers will actually be paying if you had, for instance, the ability to do 350 units and... And then in the value of the 350 units in Westlake, and I'm just doing high-level math, but it's $50,000 per unit. And that's about, that's, a, that's about a $16 million valuation at a 6% return on that. That will bring about a million bucks into the district that they can then use to pay the teachers. <laughs> and that's, there you go, then that's... Very well, well said. Well said. I think my dad, my dad, who's passed away a few years ago, was just whispering that in my ear. <laughs> <Got> you. <laughs> you almost did a mic drop there at the end of that. I did. <laughs> All right, uh, David, give us a specific idea, um, and if you can keep it a little brief, specific idea, because we're running out of time, yep. on what you, how we would um, bring this love and attention and care, and bring the pay to the teachers that they deserve, and we'd like to give them. Yeah, so the retaining our teachers is our biggest problem, but also in the, the problem we need as a community to come together. You know, we've been divided uh, by these politics, and the thing that we can really come together is our mutual interest in retaining our teachers, and I think that's something we can leverage as well. Um, I, I don't have all the answers, and I love the ideas from uh, Jim and Jay, and I think we can look to ourselves for strength and inspiration for ideas. And I myself am on the Envisioning's subcommittee that is reviewing this issue. And last year we provided a report with solutions based on surveys that we did around the whole district. So we have the answers. It's just we need the will to implement them. And we're going to be having another report next month. So a lot of the ideas they, they're talking about are things that we're looking at. For example, affordable housing, stipends, how to manage the budget. But at the same time, we can't depend on just individuals with or individual committees. 
we really need to look to ourselves for help and for solutions. So uh, I think there's a multi-prong approach and we really need to think outside the box, whether it's in terms of compensation or other kind of stipends, and also in terms of job satisfaction, feeling valued. Uh, we really need to deal with that, otherwise that's going to... And that's uh, one of the recommendations from the Envision EANS report was, as you said earlier, the formation of a teacher's council. Uh, one function of that council, um, not that they're organizing or unionizing, but what function of it would be um, kind of appreciating one another. And, um, and that might you know, stem some of this, uh, these bad feelings that some of the teachers are having, not all the teachers, and, and so I understand that. I want to go on before you, if I may. Um, since we're talking about money, let's keep talking about budget. All right, let's just extend it into the macro since we've been talking about this, the micro solution there. Uh, depending on how you look at the budget, uh, being private entrepreneurs and business people, uh, the budget being balanced doesn't mean a lot if you know that part of that balancing of the budget is dependent on um, donations from the outside. You know, God bless the nice people at EEF and all the work that the parents do to put that money in there, but they write us a check every year for $2.5 million to fund 50 people, which to me means we don't have the money to fund those 50 people. If they didn't write that check, we'd be down teachers. It's a, it's a dependency. So in my uh, simple mind, we know we have a deficit because we need EEF. And then as we've just been talking, we know we can't pay them market wage, which um, is estimated somewhere four or five million dollars more. So if you add the two together, we're somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong or you have a different idea, five, six, seven million dollars short of being where we need to be. Now that's like almost 10% of our budget, right? So what at the macro level, what do we have to do about the budget? Um, are there, you have an idea for improving, in, increasing revenue potentially? Are there cost opportunities? What have you learned as you've been looking at this while you've been a candidate? And what might you recommend that voters want to know about your ideas? I think you went first last time. So David, since I... We're not doing cards anymore, right? No, we, we will get, <laughs> we'll get back to them. I just want to keep it rolling. I want to yeah, keep it rolling. Okay. Since I... Cut you sure. off briefly. Let's sure. talk about no let's problem. talk about budget. Sure, no problem. And going back to what I was mentioning before, um, the, the teachers need voice. That's what we uncovered. You know, they they do feel intimidated. They fear they have a fear of retribution. This is not uncommon, though. A lot of school districts do experience this. It's just that we have to face it, and we can once we face it, we can overcome it. Um, but in terms of uh, you know, budget, the budget, the the teachers, I think we need to break away from the zero-sum mentality. Um, because I know we have the limits of public finance policy um, and in terms of our budget, but we can, again, try to break free, break free from this scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset if we look to ourselves for strength and inspiration. We can you know, make that progress in terms of budget. We don't have to say uh, from a defeatist point of view that we're not going to be able to make it. Let's try to figure out how to make it. And there's so many ideas here that it's, it's definitely possible. So I think that kind of attitude shift is, is really important. About exactly what to do, um, we've mentioned a community enrichment and community engagement in our Envision EANS meetings. So, um, We've talked about as well as uh, a post-secondary institution. So some other vehicles to generate wealth 
to generate value. And you, know, you create that, from, you just create that. And then from there you can pull and, and give to the teachers. So for example, uh, if we set up a public-private uh, college or vocational school, you know, that can be revenue generating itself. Mm -hmm. Or we can provide also opportunities for teachers to teach outside uh, the regular uh, regular hour, or we can give them extra time, uh, days off to, to teach elsewhere and make extra income. So there's different ways. Okay, that's, different those ways are good ideas, do. those yeah. are good ideas. So uh, Jim, you would be next, sir. Yeah, so I mean. Macro it, budget problem. Macro budget, so our property values, homes, commercial, you know, in our district are about $17 billion. We pay $172 million in property taxes a year. $102 million of that goes back to the state of Texas under the recapture program and spread out um, throughout the state to other school districts. So we're left with $70 million. Uh, we do receive about another $12 million in other funds, $2.5 million of which is EEF. Uh, so that leaves us with, you know, about $82 million. Our adopted budget had $83 million in expenses. So the 21-22 adopted budget showed a loss of a million dollars. So it's a tight budget uh, of our $83 million in operating expenses. $71.4 million of that is going to payroll to our teachers and staff. So that leaves a little over $11 million to operate our nine facilities. Um, it's a tight budget. We don't have a lot of room to play with. Um, in my mind, you know, recapture has been here 30 years, and i love for that to change, uh, but I think it's here to stay. So we've got to focus at kind of district-level solutions. The two I see, Ean's Education Foundation is an amazing organization. The 50-plus teachers at funds, we, we wouldn't have. It's, it's non-state-funded teachers. So they do an incredible job. Um, everything they raise goes to those teachers. Um, they're in the process of, of creating an endowment, which is amazing. Um, hopefully that will grow and lead to us being able to pay our state-funded teachers more. Um, so that's, that's a today opportunity. We've got about 38% of our families contributing uh, to EEF. We got to get that up. Um, I know times are tough, and um, you know it's it's we have a very generous community. But if if we can encourage people that can give, even if it's just a little, let, let's do that. Um, and then the other it, uh, today thing, difficult item is just attendance. Our our attendance in our schools has been stagnant for for years now, and at the last board meeting, the demographic report showed that our attendance is gonna go down by over 600 students over the next five years. So every student we leave is an increase in our recapture payment of $8,800. So you start doing that math, 660 students times $8,800 a student, you're looking at an additional $5 million in recapture costs. So that's real. It's, it's, it's an issue. The board acknowledges it. Dr. Leonard, Dr. Arnett, we've all got to come together and work on that. We've got to, you know, we don't have a lot of land for growing communities. So we, that's an area of focus we've, we've got to focus on. Gotcha. Um, and uh, 
is anyone else tired of hearing about uh, the way the law is written? Like, we can't do anything about recapture. I mean, it's why even talk about it anymore? Well, right? it's, We've got to go on to other things, right? Well, it's something I brought up. So uh, I brought up that we do have like a bond oversight committee, a BOC, and bond advisory committee. But why we can't keep bonding ourselves out of this. Why don't we have a policy advisory committee? Because like I said, we, can, we should look to ourselves for strength. And in our community, I'm sure we do have community members who have the skills and talents and ability. Why don't we come together? And even this recapture policy, if we can just shave off a little bit of that policy, that can still make a huge difference. So kind of being proactive, thinking outside the box, you know. Jay, thank you, sir. Jay. Yeah, I, I would say, I, I think that I, I, I've got this thing, uh, this video, and it, I'd ask anybody to go on to um, my website to actually see the video, but it's it's a very Maslow. Tell us, tell us your website. <laughs> okay. David okay. did. Okay. Jay Lamey, F-O-R, Eans. Like four Eans, four spelled Eans. out. Four Eans spelled out. Then my Instagram is <laughs> Jay Lamey with the four, le letter four. All so, right. I mean, my goodness. All right, you'll get there. Um, so, uh, 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 so, a few things. Actually, b before I get into it, I, just to keep it, the levity going, but your idea of expansion and all of that sort yeah. of stuff, it had, it had, um, it was reminiscent of Secret of My Success um, when Michael J. Fox was like, no, we don't want to contract, we want to expand. Yeah. That has nothing to do with anything other than it's just a, like a little tiny mind break. Okay. No. <laughs> um, I got the reference. Okay, good. Uh, I think if you go to at the very basic level, so, so I think at the, at, and I'll get into this a little bit more, but at the highest level, we, were, we are looking to discover, nurture, and maximize our kids' talents and passions. And so we can get into this a little bit more as we talk about DEI. Um, um, but ultimately, in order, in, in order for that to happen, we need to, it is a parent and teacher relationship where they are literally, help, the parents and teachers are working together to go discover, to go, to go discover that talent and passion. Um, but um, in order to do that, we need to actually, we don't, we don't have school unless we have teachers and unless we're paying teachers. And my brother, who's sitting back there, he's spying on us right now. He is on the St. Gabriel's board, um, <laughs> trying to hear all the things we're going to do. take away our talent. He's, he, they, are, they are over there right now, and he's trying to take away our talent. Deputy, can you remove him from the yeah. building, please? <laughs> Where's the deputy? How, however, I will give him a shout-out because he was on the – Rex Hoover can say this. He was on the first state finalist team that Westlake football ever had, so we cannot take him out of the room. <laughs> So, um, but in, in the, what we experienced in the last pandemic was that, you know, at our elementary school levels, at our elementary school levels, we actually had a slight decline in the number of kids that came that, that were attending elementary schools while St. Gabriel's, Hyde Park, Hyde Park and Regents, they basically just filled up. I was previously on the board before he was, and I was like, you know, I was, I was, um, I was pretty scared because of the fact that we actually just had a capital campaign to actually go to increase the size of the facilities, and then all of a sudden, the, 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 the enrollment started going down. Well, what happened was, is the pandemic happened, and I, all I will say to you, 
brother, is you're welcome. <laughs> so, but ultimately, I think if it is a very big concern that Jim is talking about, but I think if we can actually show on the board, we have to actually have to keep things tight. We have to show everyone there's a return. We have to, we have, to have a return on investment for everything that we are doing. Okay, so um, we also uh, we also need to increase our community involvement. He mentioned 38% are giving to EEF. That, so that's 62%. That's 62%. Some of that 62% feels that there is not transparency. Whether or not that is right or not, whether or not the board did anything right or not, I am not, I'm not necessarily excoriating, you know, admonishing the existing board, but that people, is the way the people, people give feel. People into things they believe in, they can trust. Ex exactly. And, if they're, we, and they're paying these taxes. And absolutely. And that's why the parents are actually actually the uh, are the customer because the parents are paying the taxes and and uh, one other thing we could do is not fight our taxes uh, I, I don't think that would be very popular but uh, I certainly am am going to am going to fight mine but it but dr uh, dr. Arnett actually said we need to start moving towards a university model which is basically endowment dollars we have a one million dollar endowment through EEF St. Stephen's has a $36 million endowment. We, we, can act, we should be able to increase our endowment significantly. We have the people in the community yeah. who actually have the money to be able to do that, and we need to get them involved, but they will not get involved yeah. unless they feel that we are being transparent. Can we end on that? Thank you. Very good. All right, we, we have a question. Uh, sir, step up to the mic. Smile for the camera, tell us your first and last name, and then ask your question, please. Uh, Chris Biesinger. Um, as we struggle to find ways to pay for teachers with a fiscally tight budget, do you think a priority should be paying a DEI consultant 100000 plus a year? Could those funds be used for something more effective and beneficial? And is that the right message to send to the teachers at this All right. time? Good, good timing. We've um, we got about, uh, say, 15 or 20 minutes left. Mm. After this question, we'll roll into the DEI question, but we'll start with here. Um, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about library books, ethics, and then we'll give you gentlemen time to close it out. All right, good question. Should we be spending money on a DEI consultant under the current conditions we've all just talked about here? Who wants the high card on this one? <laughs> Jim, go ahead first. Yeah, my understanding is that uh, we are not extending Dr. Gooden's contract. I believe that's the case. That's um, what I'm hearing. Um, There's a curriculum co consultant, then. We, we hired a curriculum consultant, yeah. Curriculum consultant. Uh, you know, I don't know enough Sorry. to say about <laughs> what the curriculum consultant is doing, but um, like I mentioned earlier, we have a tight budget. I mean, if there are areas that we all agree on as a community we need to spend dollars, then let's, let's talk about it. Let, let's have open forums surveys, um, let, let's figure it out. Um, but yeah, we need to do everything we possibly can to pay the teachers more. David, uh, should we be spending money uh, at $170,000 a year on a, an outside consultant for this when we have this situation? Yeah, can you I, give me kind of a brief answer? Yeah, I, I heard uh, Ellen's answer also uh, on, on the podcast. And I think there also is maybe a little bit of regret 
on, on the part of the board for not having involved the community in that discussion. So you know, that, that goes back to what uh, Jay has mentioned and what I'm talking about in terms of democracy, uh, transparency, openness, accountability, and stuff like that. So I do see the need for diversity, uh, diversity awareness. I do see the need. But at the same time, uh, I don't agree with the frame, the point of view from looking at, at a scarcity, uh, scarcity uh, mindset. I think we can still develop the wealth, the value to meet these kind of needs, and also still also give our teachers a higher raise. Um, so I think I like to look at it broad and more in a broader way. So is that way. a yes? We should have spent the money, or we shouldn't have spent the money. We shouldn't have spent the money the way we did because we didn't involve the community. We should have had more input before we by, spent by the more money. of the community. But I okay. do, I do see and the value. Jim uh, kind of was in that we didn't have a consensus to spend that money necessarily. You kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I, I think mean, that's I, what I get. I, I'm not sure the situation brought us closer together. For sure. That, I mean, you know. Um, so I think it just comes back to communication. Yeah. And I, I think all of us are closer together and more on the same page on things. I, I had a, um, in a couple of weeks, uh, I've already recorded a podcast with the, I mean, we spent this whole season talking to parents about what we want for our kids. I finally talked to a student. I interviewed the student body president of Westlake High School. And... He did not know who Dr. Gooden was until last week when the gentleman appeared on site. As a student body president, had never been approached, nor any of his officers, nor of the, any of the other kids, no, nothing. Didn't even know what it was, the student body president. So the communication is not only happening, not happening properly amongst all the parents, it's probably not happening inside the school when the student body president doesn't know what's going on. Um, and that will be on my podcast in two weeks. Please tune in. Uh, Jay, what do you think? Should we spend the money? Uh, so, so, no, I don't think we should, sp should have spent the money. Um, however, I think looking forward, uh, after, if, after listening to Darshana's um, uh, podcast and and talking with her and Kate and and um, and a lot of the folks who have uh, who in Eans have put the DEI movement together, I think that what you can look at it is different across the entire country how it is defined, and so that is actually the to me is the biggest problem, and I think those on those. It, it, this is where it gets political. I try to stay out of politics, but this is where it does get political. I think those on the right are really afraid of it, and they, are, they believe that it is some sort of version of CRT, and it is a matter of educating that what she is actually bringing to the community is not, is not, is not what, what uh, the, I would say the political right would say. It's I think not where, it's, all, it's not what we think we're afraid of. It's not what we think we're afraid of. And it is also not where it's been hijacked by the political left. It, it, like this idea of trying to indoctrinate folks, and I've had a number of conversations with a lot of people about this. I, I don't think it's that either. And I do think... I do think it actually comes... I do think there is a great opportunity... If we talk about it and we actually respect one another's, what, what one another says, 
I'm not going to say that everybody is going to agree on everything, but there is definitely an opportunity, and I think that the opportunity can exist where we bring people in the community that provide an uplifting message to everyone, and it knocks, and, and it actually knocks out a few birds with one stone where it actually becomes this wellness. It, it, like there is a wellness aspect of it and a healing aspect of it for both sides. I really think, I really think if we could get the two together to actually have that conversation. And I mean, her, her, uh, what, they, what they described is empowering kids to achieve their full potential. That is exactly along the lines of my discover, nurture, and maximize kids' talents and passions. And I asked her, how do you do that? And she said, you got to come together and have the conversation, which is at the very basic level of, of let's come together and have the conversation. Yeah, we didn't have the, we didn't come together because we didn't have the conversation. And so since there was um, only a, a, a small group of the parents that were enlightened on this subject, when we go and spend the money, it, it's, it's a problem. Yeah, so right. understanding. Let's, um, yes, you want, Jim, go ahead and make a comment. Uh, oh, we have a question. Yes, yes. ma'am. Uh, tell us your name. Hi, I'm Kristen Shaw. I have right. a sixth grader at Hill Country. All right, Kristen. Actually, I actually have your name down here, but I want you to, I want to hear your question. Go ahead. Okay. I've really enjoyed meeting you gentlemen and appreciate your time. I really appreciate the positive campaigns that you're running. Last year was very negative and it affected the community adversely. So as a member of the community and as a member of the E4E communications committee, I'd like to know more about how you'd like to bring our groups together, bring more positivity to the community and help us refine our message so that we can all be more positive. I think it's been a pretty good demonstration so far of these guys being pretty positive. I haven't heard much negativity, but I'm not going to answer for them. Yeah, it was uh, brutal, brutal last year. Still a lot of shenanigans going on this year. But, uh, um, Jim, let's start with you. Yeah. What I, are you going to commit to doing differently? Yeah, great, great question. I think it's just creating a culture of love and just understanding and celebrating our differences um, and and we just we need to set that example for our kids but um, getting together coffees having those hard conversations um, let's have a DEI night let's have leaders in in, in that area just educate the community um, let's ask tough questions I know I've learned a lot over the past you know year eight months um, and it's been awesome um, gotten to know a lot of new people and just impressive people whose hearts are in the right spot. And it's amazing. I'll talk to one person that's over here on the issue and one person over here, and I'm like, you guys are saying the same thing. <laughs> you just don't know it. So the conversations are important. Um, I think it's coffees. I think it's informal. I think it's formal. I think it's forums. I, I think it's ton of opportunities. We just need to get organized and, and make it happen. Jay, you want to try her question? Sure. sure. Um, I, I will say that if there has been a really bright part of the process of learning about what the issues the community is, is um, facing, that this has been probably one of the most exciting, and I would echo some of the things that Jim has said about the fact that 
by sitting down and talking with people who may not necessarily agree with you, I will say it it definitely it what it does is it softens your heart, especially when you're when you're face to face. It softens your heart. It it um it re if you approach it from a sense of love. At some level, we do have to rise above some of the, there, there is going to be negative trolls and stuff like that. That is unfortunate. I think that we can, we can call that out. I think we can also rise above it. I, have, I am still grappling with exactly how to handle this um, because it's, it's tough. There are things where I may not agree with so what somebody is doing who may support me, but but at the same time, I may not agree with what what, what someone is doing also to me. <laughs> so it, it, it really is petty. Um, yeah, you know, I think I sold a thousand tickets uh, to this event tonight <laughs> until I started looking at the actual names of people who are buying tickets, and there's actually people out there buying tickets under fake names. Just to shut this down, I mean, how stupid and petty is that? Stealing signs, is that, we, we do have to come above it, I agree. Yeah. We have to do coffees, get together, get to know mm -hmm. each other, invite people like Darshan on the podcast, uh, you know, and try to understand each other. Being locked up, as you said, Jay, earlier, for being social animals, it puts a, it, it's, it's tough, it's tough to come back from that. We've got to work, work harder to do that. I, I just, I, I love it. I mean, I, this is fun, and I, I would encourage everyone to be intentional about it go go meet with someone go listen to some music have a conversation with someone that's different from you i mean how rewarding is that fun is that you probably just made a lifelong friend ooh, ooh, ooh. i got i got one more thing to say about it actually oh, i don't know we've we've skipped over david twice you're gonna i'm sorry I'm, you're I'm gonna sorry. hand him a sorry. card david yeah, well, okay. okay it's okay so so there the, the catholic priest who married my wife and i was the chief liaison between the Palestinians and the Jews, and he actually, uh, with, with regard to the conflict that they had, and he actually is really interesting because he shared with me, he shared with me the, um, the uh, there were three presidents from the United States that he worked with. And he said, there, and, the, and I think this is apolitical because he said there was one that was really bad, there was one that was really good, and then there was one that was probably not as effective. But he said, it, it, this was, and I'll give you, I'll give you the, the punchline. He said, he said the really bad one was George W. Bush. And he said, George W. Bush was, was really bad because he refused to actually get involved in, actual, in having a discussion. George H. Bush was actually the most effective one because he did broker the discussions between the two. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I, 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 I can feel your pain. Um, he, unfortunately, was having some, you know, personal misdeeds. Distractions. That, distractions that did not necessarily give him the... Give, give him a platform where they could actually respect him to actually, where they could say, okay, we, he, he's bringing us together. But at least he tried. Yeah. Um, and it's fair. You have to try. You have to try. You have to try. You have to try. All right. So we just have a few minutes left together. Let's go from uh, that 
very nice um, discussion to something even more interesting and friendly, and then we'll give you gentlemen both your closing, uh, closing statement. Let's talk about library books. Um, this is a tough one. Some people see it as tough. Some people see it as pretty easy to solve. No matter what uh, side of it you're on, um, it has to be dealt with because it's occupying too much air in the room, and we're not focusing on things that are really important uh, to the kids' um, education and their advancement. Specifically, we're talking about uh, books that are vulgar. Um, let's not talk about books that might uh, pretend to rewrite history or change history, and let's, talk about, let's not talk about books relative to uh, homosexuality or gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder. Let's just talk about books that a lot of parents have been talking about um, for many, many weeks now in board meetings that, you know, I would not read one of those books here in this room to do that to, uh, tonight. Um, what are we going to do about it? How can we solve this? How can we make both sides happy? Um, Jim, oh no, David, I owe you. You've, uh, we'll start with you, sir. Sure. Um, and kind of backing up to the last couple questions. Uh-uh, uh, no, no, we're going <laughs> forward. We had, plenty of, we had plenty of time on other things you advanced okay. on. We're going to start on library books here. We have to end. Uh, it's somewhat similar uh, because united we stand, divided we fall. I think we can all agree with that. And we really don't need to be polarized by these singular issues, whether it's a DEI or the library books. We need to come together with our common interests, and we should celebrate our differences. Uh, we talked about DEI just now, but also we have so much diversity in our own community that's just waiting to be celebrated. We don't need to wait for a Heritage Day or a Heritage Week. We can celebrate all the time. And so uh, in terms of library books, it goes back to what I mentioned before. I'm not sufficiently informed about the lines of where parental rights goes to and what are the, the librarians' issues. I think there needs to be an information sharing first. And everybody get on the same page. This is part of my campaign is promoting parent education. And so with information, with this knowledge, we're able to tackle this problem. And so I think in terms of the um, um, library books, uh, we talked about it during the podcast, but the, the, the sexual nature. Um, you know, at the same time, I'm not... Even I'm an advisor on the, the for the trustees. I I'm not I don't feel sufficiently informed to then jump in and say okay there is a line. I know when we look at movies we see we have the G P G P G thirteen. You know that's kind of just clear. Um, and so without that information, it's kind of just throwing people together in in full of emotions and just standing back. And we don't need to be ripped apart with each other. We don't need to vilify each other for these different opinions. We need to f come together. Okay. So, yeah. Jay, the library books problem. Yeah, so I, I think first, um, when you hear the books that are being read at the board meetings, I think that that everybody can agree that they are just absolutely disgusting. I'll be a fan of uh, Wedding Crashers and sophomoric sense of humor, but what we are witnessing is absolutely ridiculous. And I think that we, we are, I think that you first start off, I think both sides can sit there and actually agree that, listen, we need to put those books we can put those books in lock and key behind the librarian until we figure out what is going on. If they get parental approval and the, and the librarian wants to, if, if the parents approve it, then fine. But we cannot, we cannot spend all this time filling out forms 
actually to like while while there is just all of this filth that is out there right now. So I say that, and we're not talking about. Uh, it's interesting when you actually go to the board meeting because you have you have people who are saying, well, banning books is bad. Banning books is bad. I don't think anyone is really talking about banning books. This is like parallel play when you watch two two um, two year olds playing and people are like, oh, they're playing with one another. They're playing with one another. No, they're playing with their individual toys. Like. We're literally watching people one, one side talk about one thing and one side talk about the other. The, what we're talking about is actually the pornographic stuff. It needs to, the pornographic stuff needs to be taken out. Once it is brought to attention, then we can have a committee that basically comes in and, ba and, and determines whether or, not, whether or not we should actually have that. But to have, you know, to have 11 to 13 year olds I mean, and, and even my son, who is basically, I mean, literally reading something as a, as a sophomore where it talks about, you know, using your thumbs for masturbation, like, come on, like, I don't even know what the heck it's ta they're talking about. I mean, so. <laughs> These kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there is a way to put them in lock and key and do what David is saying. The long-term solution is to have it as a, you can have something that is, this is rated R. If the parents, if the parents want to actually approve it, to where their kid, they, they're like, well, I don't, want, I don't want to tell my kid exactly how to do this, this, or this. Well, then I really want them to read the book. Well, for the books that are there, fine. But we, don't, we also need to have a, have a system where we hold, hold everyone accountable. And that starts with the librarian, then to the principal, and then to the board. Jim, how about a policy, a simple policy, uh, that the board might adopt that says, if a teacher cannot stand in front of the room and read this book in front of her, his or her class, it shouldn't be in the library or it should be quarantined, as Jay is suggesting. What about something simple like that? Well, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I, there are certain comments, there are certain things I can read and not read and get embarrassed. You know, I don't know how, that's pretty uh, subjective. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's got to be a better system, right? So if there are books that parents are concerned by, and, and the, I, my understanding is there's a process, it might be a little tedious, so let's make that process more efficient, more accessible. Take the books through the process. I, even, I met with one of our board members, and um, he said, look, there may be some books that shouldn't be in there, so let's take them through the process, let's look at them and address it. I think there's a win-win. I mean, I, there's some books that some families may... <laughs> Perfect timing. Test, test, test. There's some books that some families may feel that, hey, they're, they're, they want their kid to see it. Others may disagree. Let's put a process in place that, you know, makes that book accessible. And, and my other understanding is there's a way to opt out of books. Is that right? Um, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Um, but there's a win-win. It's just we gotta we gotta figure it out together. There's a solution to make everybody happy. Maybe a little overly optimistic, but I really feel like there is. Um, you know, and we're talking about books. I mean, I, I mean, our kids, their iPads, iPhones. I mean, I'm pretty sure they can access anything. So, 
Um, it's just a challenge um, for all of us, just kind of figuring out what we want our kids to see and not. I think ultimately parental communication with the child is just utmost of importance. But absolutely, I think everybody agrees there's age-appropriate stuff that should be in the library and not. We, we need to just have a good process to figure that out. Okay, Jay, last, last we talk word. about We talk about budget, and one way we can um, skinny the budget is on the expense side. We don't have to order the books that have porn. Like, the parents can go. The parents can literally go and buy that for their kid. Yeah, you can get anything you want uh, anytime yeah. today. Why does it need to be in the library? Uh, as a side, when I was interviewing um, this fine, fine gentleman uh, from Westlake High School, I had a book with me that literally the week before my daughter had rented, or had rented, had checked out at, at uh, Hill Country, and um, she thought it was gross, and she gave it to us, and we sent it back. Anyway, I, I read it to him, and she's in uh, seventh grade, and he said, well, he was very uncomfortable about it, thought it was amazing, but he said most of the words that I read to him, his, his iPad could not be allowed to, fun to access those words over the internet at the school. They would have been blocked. Um, and he says, I don't understand why your daughter was able to get that in her room. Listen to, listen to the podcast in two weeks. It's very good. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. Gentlemen, it's been, been wonderful. Um, I want to give each of you a couple minutes to tell the voters why they should vote for either one of you, gentlemen, over the other and over Ellen Balthazar and why she should lose her seat after 21 years, and why you should be uh, voted for um, over Heather Sheffield. Who would like to start? David, we'll give you the opener. Oh, the the closer, the, close, the opening of the close. Um, either. Uh, no, go ahead, you, you start. You're, okay. This is your um, uh, okay. Final, okay. final pitch. So uh, following back to the question about uh, positivity, uh, I think that's really important. Um, across the United States, there are a lot of schools that are facing a phenomenon that's called toxic positivity. And that's when too much emphasis is placed on positivity at the expense of addressing some valid concerns, uh, whether that's from the teacher or the students. And it becomes, I guess, toxic in a sense and uh, I think we need to be careful about that uh, in our community because we talk about the green umbrella of kindness but then we have this culture of fear that the teachers are experiencing and then we have this smearing going on in elections it doesn't have to be that way you know uh, many school districts across the country are looking at the concept of dignity and elevating dignity above kindness. I think that's a direction that's worth considering for our community. Uh, treating people with dignity is the basis, I believe, of treating people with kindness. Sometimes if you feel you need to focus on kindness, you're not treating people with dignity. And that's, I think, the first step is treating people with dignity. And I think that's a direction we're, we are going towards. Uh, I think we did mention some difficult issues that the district is, is facing, uh, including communications. But we do have an excellent communications director, Claudia McWhorter. And I will also note that our rising superintendent, Dr. Jeff Arnett, is a communications major and a very artful diplomatic uh, professional, uh, you know, has uh, 
you know, I have a very high esteem for him, and I'll be supporting him you know, regardless of any situation. So um, I'm fully, fully gung-ho. Uh, Dr. Leonard, um, when he set out the vision for uh, our district, uh, through his state of the districts, uh, he would often pull up the picture of George Clooney. And I, if you might remember George Clooney sometimes with a, a hurt, hurt hand, like a bandaged hand. And um, I'm glad to see that he's evolved uh, in that. Um, I think the vision of the district has been very heavy, uh, very image conscious. And this image consciousness um, has prevented our growth, I believe. If we're unable to address some valid concerns, if we're concerned too much about image, then we're not gonna be able to grow as a community. We need to have that community engagement. We need to have that, that you know, agreement or disagreement. Those are all necessary, a part of a democracy. And so uh, I know he's changed now from George Clooney to Desmond Tutu, um, uh, Jaime Escalante, as well as Dalai Lama. And so I think there's a, a, you know, a recognition there that we should not be so image conscious, but more values conscious and uh, treating people with dignity. And I think that's, that's, you know, on the bright side, I think that's something we can look forward to and, and, and move forward. And as you know, I'm not George Clooney. I am Ross Perot. So thank you very much. And thanks so much for, for being here. Thank you, David. All right. Jay, uh, why should we vote for you instead of Ellen Balthazar? So um, I'll start off. I love the positivity message, and I think that, uh, and I'm going to go through my, my pyramid again, but at the basic level of come together right now, it involves parents and parents, parents and teachers, parents and administrators, all coming together with transparency, and Jim has used it, uh, used it tonight is love. So I actually, I actually have on my vanity plate is agape three, which means sacrificial love, and it reminds me every time I go to my car that I need to be loving as much as that might, as much as I may not want to be loving. <laughs> um, but I think if we can do that, then the community can heal. And we can start to attain some of the financial goals that we're looking to achieve. And so some of those are, uh, I think, an endowment and increasing the, steward, the, the, the stewardship. I have, been, I have worked um, on a number of capital campaigns, and I believe that I know how to actually talk to the stewards and identify the stewards who will be out there who we can actually help provide us the dollars, the donation dollars that may not have to go pass through, through bonds or uh, you know, through bonds and the taxes that we would, that we would have to provide. Um, or it, it, the other thing is, is I think that at a high level, having worked in commercial real estate and having worked with uh, organizations such as Goodwill Industries, any baby can, uh, Concordia Lutheran College, where we literally moved their college from downtown to northwest. 
and understanding that it wasn't just the real estate itself was the means to the end. The real estate is never the real estate itself is never the end. It is all based upon looking at the mission, asking the questions of what is important to get the that university or in this case our district elevated so that we can actually perform at the highest level. I have uh -oh. <laughs> I'm sure we're fine. Uh, I, who did you summon? Oh my goodness. <laughs> he may actually be here. Um, uh, so, but I, I have actually made it my life's mission to do that. And I would ask anyone who is here to go take a look at the, the, the videos from Dr. Tom Seidel, former president of of Concordia Lutheran College. Jerry Davis, former president of former president of Goodwill Industries of Central Texas. Um, Preston James, who is currently the executive director at Div Inc., which is an organization that promotes, promotes um, uh, entrepreneurship for people of color and women on how to get how to help them actually enter into the enter into like if their desire is to become an entrepreneur it is to help them i would ask you to look at Baronda Durden who is the current executive director at any baby can um, and and you can even call her and ask her i mean we have talked we have talked um, ad nauseum but ultimately i think they can all show that that I can help bring that financial freedom. And once, once we are able to do that, then we actually can pay our teachers what they deserve, okay? We can pay the teachers and we can actually, the teachers and the parents can work together where the, where the teachers are not afraid, set guidelines for the teachers so that they can ultimately, again, discover, nurture, and maximize our kids' talents and passions. That's ultimately what, and when I say that, I mean each one of our kids. I'm not talking collectively. I'm talking each individual kid. And, and, and I will, I'll, I'll, I'll end it on this. So, and this is supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. And I have a lot of respect for Ellen in the, in the 21 years she's, she's served. It is, it is absolutely amazing, and no one can take anything away from her. She mentioned uh, at the last meeting that she was the, you know, Tom Brady or the Drew Brees of school boards. And I actually talked to Sam Ellinger uh, just a few days ago. And I... And I I can only say this, that Ellen, Drew Brees has retired, and Sam Ellinger is about to be the starting quarterback of an NFL team for the, for the Indianapolis Colts. And so, so I say it tongue in cheek. So anyway, I look to be and, and can only hope to be the Sam Ellinger or the Cade Klubnik in the future if they would so let me. So thank you. Thank you, Jay. Very nice. Very nice. All right, Jim. Uh, close this up. All right. So, I, you know, we live in the greatest country, in the greatest state, in the greatest city, in the greatest school district in the world. 
I understand the task at hand is, is huge. I understand the history of Eanes. I understand our dynamic, awesome community. Um, and I'd be honored to lead us into help be part of the leadership, taking us into the next chapter. Uh, we've got so much opportunity. Um, I'm so optimistic. I, I lead with a lot of love. Um, I, I love people. And, um, you know, my business background, I, I think I've proven experience on, you know, hiring, recruiting, retaining top talent, um, building consensus among diverse workforce, um, and, and certainly the financial aspect of it. Uh, we've got challenges there. I'm not afraid of that. We will figure it out. Um, and it, it requires just leadership that will embrace that, think creatively, and, and get the job done. So honored to be here. Thank you very much for hosting us. Uh, Jim Withers, Jay Lamy, David Barutia, thank you for being here. Good luck in your contest. Voting starts in just a few days. And thanks to all of you that came out tonight and everyone that's on the internet. And um, thank you for allowing me to moderate and put this on for everyone tonight. And, and my wife as well for being here tonight with the kids at home with a babysitter. And the rest of you as well. Thank you very much. Good luck to you. Thanks.